Good morning, everyone. Today, Bezat Hashem will be learning Daf Chafav and Maseches Ksubos. So, over Shabbos and Daf Chaf Dalid, we start talking about the authentication of the Kohen. So, we'll let's start two uh, lines up. Really, the end of the second to last line in Chafayim and Beis, where it says Verabichia. Talking about still on the topic of the Kohanim, let's talk about Verabichia. Without to make a long story short, he does not believe a father who says that his son is a Kohen. But he will believe a brother to say that his brother is a coin. Okay? More or less. <laughs> that's what it says. But that's what the Gemara says. Rabbi Chia, Maishna ben Delo, the carve who writes Aviv. So certainly a son, right, when the father testifies that his son is a Kohen, we're not going to believe. So, Achdami carve who writes So a brother also is related to his brother. So why is that testimony going to be accepted? So says the Gemara, as we write, Really, there shouldn't be a difference, right? Again, when a person is testifying uh, about their own karov, there should not be a difference whether that relationship is one of a paternal brother or a son, because, right, a father's son, the only difference in those particular cases happens to be the context. And the context is Messiah Lefi Tumo, talking casually, Barry. Messiah Lefi Tumo, if you have not heard that term, it's like this incidental, casual conversation. When you talk incidentally and you make references to things that happen to be very right uh, important facts to the case, that's a proof which is authoritative in a sense. Why? So, uh, I heard Rabbi Shalom Rosner, a great Dafyomi, the OG Dafyomi master, and he didn't really get into it in the Achorna, but it's, I, I think it seems to me, this is clearly not evidence, right? This is not Aedis. When you hear somebody saying a conversation, so let's see it in the Gemara, what would be the case, and then I'll tell you how I think, what I think the mechanism might be. You tell me if, if it makes sense. It says like this, this was a case of Messiah Lefitum as follows. Right? The guy was making casual conversation, Andrew. Like we do. When we, like if I ever show up here at 4.30 in the morning by accident because my alarm had the wrong hour. So then I come here an hour early. So then I get to schmooze with Andrew for an hour. We talk about our lives. We catch up. So what happened here? They were having a conversation. Messiah Lefitum. Amar Zachruni Shanitinok. Oh, I remember when I was a kid, and I remember that first time he brought me to Cheder. You know, I was on my father's, he brought me on my shoulders, he took me out of school, and then he removed my, uh, my clothing. Why did he remove my clothing? In order to be taivil. And he, and, he, and he put me in the mikvah, he was taivil me in order so that I could eat truma in the evening. Why? This is a, how did this kid become Tameh? Rashi explains. First Rashi in Chafafam Aleph because he's a kid. So he's probably playing in the, in the dumpster as the young delicious Haredi children do. And therefore he is uh, going to have to, he's probably uh, handling shratzim. So before he eats truma, Right, he dunked him in the mikvah. Why is he eating truma, Andrew? I'm starting to think maybe he's a coin. Yeah, and Rebbechia Messiahba, when Rebbechia was telling over the rest of that particular uh, story, he was saying, and by the way, and all my buddies, 
in Gan, right, they used to keep away from me, they used to call me Yochanan, the eater of Chalas. Chalas, in this particular case, right, is referring to Truma. Okay, Truma Chalas. So when Rebbe heard, right, this account, he was, he thought that that was enough, right, to bring him to to Kahuna, right? To to consider him a coin for all things, right? To consider him a coin for an aliyah, for truma, for kachim, for everything. For everything, he was allowed to bring him to to, uh, to to Kahuna. So, what does this teach you? That when you're saying it casually, it has great uh, halachic significance. And uh, now, what would be the mechanism? So, this is what I was starting to say before. That I don't think that this is Adas, obviously, right? This is a kid talking about himself and just telling a story. But it seems obvious to me that this establishes a chazaka. We already spoke about this. That bizman when kohanim are coming and they're telling you, right, that they're going, there's a chazaka uh, mechanism that's very strong. That's what we said about the alias Ezra, the, the, the first aliyah from Bavel, that we said there was a very strong chazaka that allowed them, he said, what did you eat? Did you eat truma when you were in Bavel? Okay, so now we're going to let you eat truma in Eretzal. And that was even in the case where we knew that it was a big balagan. Right, there was families of Kohanim that were corrupt uh, in their lineage. So again, Chazaka is very, very strong, and it would seem to me that Mesiyach Futumo, obviously, it establishes credibility because he doesn't realize that he's being evaluated for his Kahuna. So certainly, the sincerity of just saying over a story would be very valuable. But it, but it doesn't sa- doesn't smell like Adis. It smells more like establishing a Chazaka. Okay. Which, as we know, for respect to Kuna, as we said, is very strong. Fine. So now the Gemara says, Tanya. So you see this term, Chazaka. Just like when you see somebody eating Truma, it establishes this Chazaka, this presumption that he's a coin. That would also be true of Meiser Rishon. But if you're Cholek Bevezdin, in other words, if some, we'll see what this means, but if you get Truma, Right, the Chalukah is when they distribute it. So if you're part of the Truma distribution that the Bezdin uh, presides over, then you do not have a presumption of, of being a Kohen. Now, of course, none of this statement in the Brisa makes any sense. What is Maiserisha? Maiserisha goes to Levi. What does that have to do with Kahuna? And also, what's this Cholik Bevezdin? So these are going to be the questions of the Gemara. So let's dig in. Says the Gemara. Meister, like, so again, the Bryce just says something to do with just like Truma, Meiser Rishon is a indication of, of Kahuna. We have to see what this means. And then something about the distribution of the Bezdin not being an indication, which obviously it should be. So these are all the questions. So first question, says the Gemara, Meiser Rishon de Levihu. What are you talking about, Meiser Rishon? What do you mean when you say that Meiser Rishon is an indication of Kahuna just like Truma? Meiser Rishon doesn't even go to a Kohen. Meiser Rishon is something that you bring to a Levi. So what does Maiserishon have to do with proving a coin? Says the Gemara, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, the famous sheet of Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah with respect to, again, that first Aliyah. When that first Aliyah came, so the Kohanim, we already talked about, had corrupt families, but the Levim were even worse. Very few Levim came on that first Aliyah. And therefore, the Tanya, there's the following Brisa. Truma lekohen, Maiserishon lelevi, divi Rabbi Akiva. That those people who came uh, in that Aliyah so the Kohanim would get Truma and the Maiserishon would go to the Levi and that's how it's indicated in the Torah and that's how Rabbi Kiva, right, would, who, um, who lived in that era would 
who lived afterwards. Uh, that's how Rabbi, by Bayasheni, uh, destruction time. That's what Rabbi Akiva said was the halacha that maintained throughout. However, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah Omer, Maiser Rishon Afla Kohen, that even the Maiser Rishon went to the Kohen. Now, why would the Maiser Rishon go to the Kohen? According to the Torah, the Maiser Rishon is supposed to go to the Levi. So, the answer is, the Gemara is going to discuss, there was a historical a knas, because the Levim did not participate in that first Aliyah, their rights to the Maiser Rishon were taken away from them and were given to the Kohanim because, as we said, the Kohanim did make the Aliyah. Let's see this inside. Says the Gemara. Wait a minute. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah says that the Maiserishan goes to the Kohen. Doesn't that, it sounds like, I mean, you would think that what that means is that it was a prize that the Kohanim, even the Kohanim could get Maiserishan. Could it be that it means Kohen instead of Levim, says the Gemara? Who would say that this Maiserishan goes to the Kohen and instead of the Levi and not to the Levi, says the Gemara, in that's exactly what it means. That in that particular time, there was a knas by Ezra, as the Gemara says, Basar de Kansiu Ezra. After Ezra penalized the Levim for not participating in that Aliyah, he shifted it over. He said, My Serishon can no longer be given to the, uh, to the Levim. It's now going to be given to the Kohanim. And therefore, when the Brisa says that just like Truma is an indication of Kahuna, so too Maiserishon is an indication of Kahuna. That's what it's referring to. It's referring to post Gezeira, where in fact being given Maiserishon was an indication of Kahuna. This brings, as uh, Rabbi Rosner points out, um, this some bring as a proof to the fact that Maiserishon in that context is Durabanan, because after all, who has, this is uh, within the Rambam, who has the authority to uproot a Meiser Rishon de Arisa that's supposed to go to the Levium? Even Ezra wouldn't have that authority. To just simply say, oh yeah, not anymore, it doesn't. It doesn't go to the Levium, it goes to the Kohanim. You don't have, you don't have the authority to do that. And therefore, uh, he indicated that when Bizman, Shaina, Besa, Mikdash, Kayim, uh, I guess, that it would be Mida Rabbanam. Something like that. In other words, it's really, it's really a Pella that he could do such a thing. That's the point. So that, that is, that is a, that, this is a, an important piece over here with respect to the status of Maisa Rishon, uh, Bisman Hazeh, etc. But be that as it may, with respect to the context of Agamara, it's an, it explains the brisa of why Maiser Rishon is relevant to the status of Kahuna. Okay. So now the Gemara says, wait a minute. Yeah, but, you know, let's say you're supposed to go to the Kohanim and you've explained why it has an indication of Kahuna. But we know that the Torah says that it goes to the Levi. In other words, Truma, if somebody's eating Truma, if somebody's being given Truma, so then that only ever was given to a Kohen. But Maisa Rishon, you can see how there could be confusion, right? There was a Knas, but despite the Knas, the Torah says Levim, and therefore you could see a situation where somebody unwittingly or Badafkar for whatever reason or motivation or confusion gives Maisa Rishon to the Levi. That could be. And therefore, it should not be as authoritative as Truma. Like when you see somebody giving Maisa Rishon to a Levi, to a person, that should not be 
a foolproof indication that he's a coin, even if there's a gazer that it should go to the Kohanim, there certainly is black on white in the Torah an indication that it should go to the Leviim. And, cert- and therefore, how could you view Maisa Rishon being given as a indication for sure uh, that it is, in fact, uh, Kohen that's receiving it, right? Even though that's supposed to be that way. Dilma Ikruvi Havale. Maybe it could happen. You could see why it would happen. That in fact, that Maisarishon would be given to somebody, and he's not a Kohen, in fact. He's a Levi. Says the Gemara, Marav Chista, Hachav Maiskinan, you're right. It must be a different case. It can't be that you're just seeing a dude giving somebody Maisarishon and you can assume that he's a Kohen, but rather this is the case, as follows. You established that the father is a Kohen. Okay, well, that's a, quite a start, right? You're talking about a situation where you know that the father of this person is, uh, is a Kohen. Well, now already it's shifting over to an assumption of kahuna. And then, And the question is, does this person uh, receive, right? Does this person get treated like a coin? Well, uh, a rumor, right, came, in, came to light that maybe the father of this individual who you're giving the Maiserishon to actually married a grusha or a chalutza. And therefore, he's a chalal. Maybe the person who's giving it is a chalal. So there, in that case... It's not a question of, is he a Levi or is he a coin? It's just a question of whether he's a valid coin. As the Gemara says, right? And they distribute Meiser Rishon to him at the, at the granary, which in which case they, they used to do that. And the question is, Levi? The love Levi who? We can't say that he's a Levi. That was never the question. The question was, is he a valid coin or a chalal? So, ben Gusha ben you might have thought, that you can assume that, that maybe he's a Ben Gush or Ben Chalutza because a rumor to that effect has come to light. However, says the Gemara, Lomi Lazarn. So it's not actually, uh, necessary to say that we might assume, uh, that, that it's, that he's a Chal because he's a Zar. For a Zar, they wouldn't have given to him. Even if you held that Maiserishon is something that you can give, is, is something that you could give to Israel, that is only to eat. So a lot here. In other words, there is a machlokas about whether the czar can actually eat it over here. Okay. But that machlokas would never be in the, would never go down to the level of the chalukah, of the granary. Right, because when they're distributing it, everybody knows that that distribution only happens, right, only would happen to the Levim, right, or post the Gezera to Kohanim. Okay, so here in the situation where he got the Truma, or the Maiserishon rather, in the granary, this individual, whether if he was a czar, again, just to review, he would not have gotten it there. Maybe he could eat it afterwards, but he certainly wouldn't be distributed to him. If he was, right, a halal, so then he also wouldn't be distributed. So when you see that he gets the truma, so then, and then you, then, and when you, and I, and I keep saying truma, but I mean maiserishon, when you see that he gets the maiserishon at the granary, so there, and I keep getting, saying truma because that's what normally goes to the coin. I'm trying to adjust Andrew to this gazera of Ezra. Um, that the Maiserishon also went to the Kohanim, and therefore you see him getting it at the granary, which is where they do the actual distribution. That actual distribution requires a level of verification, and that level of verification would in fact 
determine, even though there were some rumors floating around town, Andrew, that that individual was a halal, which is to say that it, it, we know that he is of Kohanic lineage, but there was some question as to whether his father married a Grusha or Chalutza. When you see at the distribution that he's getting Maiserishon, then you know that it must be that he is a Kohen, and it is despite that rumor, we consider him a legitimate Kohen. And that is what the Vaisa means when it says, right, that the that Keshem Shetruma Chazaka Kach Maiserishon Chazaka So again, we put it all together, and now you have to have context. What's the context? A very specific case in place and time. Right? This is referring to Maiserishon being an indication of Kahuna is only going to be the case where we knew that his dad was a Kohen and there was some question about his validity as a Chalal. And it is in a scenario and a time in history where Maiserishon was taken away from the Levim and brought to the Kohanim. Those two things in place means that when you see it being distributed to him, that he is in fact a Kohen. Now, the last part of the b'risa was perhaps the most perplexing, as follows. The, the Gemara says, That if you see him getting Meiser, Rishon, or Truma, right, in Bezdin, so then that's not a Chazaka. What do you mean? The, sometimes, first of all, the Bezdin, you know how like we have, during, we're in a Shemitah year, right? So there's like, there's Heter Mechira, and then there's uh, Yuvul Nachri, and there's Oitzer Bezdin, right? You've heard of the three different ways to, to arrange to get the, uh, the produce, okay, in, in Israel. So from Oitzer Bezdin, you see there is such a thing where Bezdin did, in fact, participate in the distribution of produce. Okay, so now, to the extent that Bezdin participates in the distribution of produce, they also could distri- uh, uh, participate in the division of Truma, right, to, to Kohanim. Well, that distribution of the Bezdin, you would think, right, if the Badats is distributing the truma, they're the most machmir. If you see the badats handing out truma to a kohen, you would think that, that is the greatest indication that he is in fact a kohen. So what does the Bryce mean when it says, that it's not an indication? Says the Gemara, <laughs> if not there, then where? Right? Which is another way of saying, right? This is, should be not the least, but the most authoritative indication that he's a kohen. So Amar of Sheisha is Hachi Kamar Hacholik Truma Benichsay Avivim Echav Bebezdin. No, it doesn't mean the the Bezdin distribution of Truma. It means a different Bezdin in a different context, an actual court case. Oh, okay. Well, now it makes sense. In other words, what's the case where you see a different case? You're seeing people dividing an estate. That's what's happening in Bezdin. They're not dividing. They're not giving out the Truma. This is not the Badatz distribution of Truma. This is a, simply a court case amongst brothers dividing an estate. Ah. Oh. So now, all it means is as follows in the b'risa. Of course, it's a very confusing b'risa. It, it required some explanation and editing, which is what we're doing now. So if a person is distributing the truma, aviv. so now somebody uh, died, who's a Kohen, but he had multiple right, wives, and now the sons are dividing the, 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 the chasim. So they're dividing the houses, the real estate, and everything, and there happens to be truma. So, im echav bevezin. So they're dividing all the truma, ain't a chazaka. So the fact that all the brothers, mind you, some of the mothers, let's say there's multiple mothers, some of them may have been a grusha, may have been a chalutza, right? You may have certain children that are halalim. So when you see a court case and you see a father's estate, who's a coin, being divided, you shouldn't assume that there's no halalim just because they're getting the truma. Now, why shouldn't you assume that? Well, because 
it could be that they're just dividing it in a monetary way. And in fact, that one of the children is not necessarily a straight up legitimate coin. Says the Gemara. Pshita, that should be obvious. Why? Because the Chalil can easily inherit his father's, his father's truma. Now the question is, why would the Chalil inherit his father's truma? Well, the answer is because it's equally divided. In other words, a father has, let's say, five sons, and one of them is a Chalil, right? Uh, because they're not all from the same mother. So, and he happens to have truma, and he has five granaries, for argument's sake, of, filled with truma. So he gives one granary to each son. So you say, wait a minute. Why would he get, why would the halal get one? Well, just because it's truma and just because he can't eat it doesn't mean he doesn't inherit it. He's still splitting up the inheritance equally. So, okay, he can't eat it, but he could still use it. He could still sell it, right? It's still part of the inheritance. You don't just say, because you're a halal, then whatever truma comes gets split up evenly, uh, but, uh, uh, amongst the other four brothers. That's not how, that's not how inheritance works, right? So let's see the inside. You might have said, thought like this. Well, all the brothers that are taking truma that are actual legitimate kohanim, they're only getting the truma because they can eat it. So you would think that that would be the din, that only those of the sons that can eat the truma inherit the truma. You might have thought that. The kamash malan is what we just said that, in fact, it's not how the inheritance works, that the inheritance gets divided equally, equitably, amongst all the brothers, irrespective of whether the brother can eat it or not. Which is to say, even if the brother, turns out one of the brothers is a halal, he's still going to get an equal share in the truma, right, inheritance. And therefore, that's what the Bryson means when it says a cholik it ain't a chazaka. Just because you see an individual, right, whose father is a Kohen inheriting truma, does not mean that he's not a chalal. It could be that he's a chalal and he just happens to be inheriting truma and he'll feed it to someone else, right? He'll sell it. Okay. So now we've understand that Bryson. So now we're going to go back to our Mishnah on Chav Gimel We're going to quote it. And, uh, we're going to explain what it means because the Mishnah at the end, if you recall, had some uh, some language that was weird. I'll, I'll read the end of it for you guys as follows. This is in the bottom of Chavkimel of Abayz. It says, Rabbi Yehuda said, okay? Again, that Mishnah was the Mishnah where he started this whole, this whole party of authenticating Kohanim. So he says, you can't do it. And then Rabbi Lazar qualified that and says, that's when there's Orin, but when there's no Orin, then you can. Which is to say that in the absence of anybody saying that he's not a Kohen, an Eidachot should be enough, right? A guy comes to Shul, another guy vouches for him, that should be enough. And then the Mishnah concludes, which seems like it's just a reiteration of what Rabbi Yehuda said. So now we have to understand what did this Mishnah mean when it said all of these things. So, two dots, six lines up from the bottom. Rabbi Yehuda, says the Gemara, so that's the first thing that the Gemara says. We just read the end of the Mishnah, and Shimon Gamliel said the same thing that uh, really uh, Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yehuda said, which is that one aid should be enough in order to right, verify that someone is a coin. Okay, so the Gemara says, Maybe what it means is, the difference is that when there's a single challenger, 
that would be a machlokus between the two of them, and that's what has both shitas. Maybe Rabbi Lazar hold that a person's Kohanic lineage is challenged, even if only one person comes to challenge it. And Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says no, that that one person challenging it would be considered gurnish mit gurnish, we were insignificant, and we would totally disregard it. It would require a true challenge of, the, of his lineage to create a doubt, with true challenge being defined as having at least two witnesses. Okay. So Ha'amar Rabbi Yochanan, ein mishnaim. So Rabbi Yochanan said that cannot be the difference between the first and second right halacha, the one of Rabbi Lazar of Shimon Gamliel, because in fact everyone would agree that only two people can all can create a shadow of doubt as to whether the person has a chronic lineage, and therefore that can't be the machlokas. So therefore, what is the machlokas? El asks the Gemara as follows: the Okay, another case where we have a chazaka that the father is a coin. kala, a rumor emerged. What was the rumor? The ben grusha ben chalutzahu. Okay, there's a rumor that this that that this uh, person who we know was the son of a coin was also his mother was a grusha or chalutza ve'achtine. And what happened when that rumor emerged? Now that rumor apparently is not the irur, right? The question here is is it's it's interesting. What requires the irur? Okay. In other words. There's two ways you can undermine a coin. You could either say his father is not a coin, or you could say his mother, right, was uh, Grusha or Chalutza. So it's, it is, so, but let, let, let's uh, assume that in this particular case, right, the coal was the equivalent of multiple Adem, for argument's sake, right, that this became a rumor that a lot of people would say, that he's Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza. Okay, so then when that happens, and, the, and, and multiple people come forward to say that his mother was a Grusha Chalutza, the Bezdin has no choice but to demote him, right? Everybody would agree to that. So what happens? Ve'achtine. Achtine here means not that they made a chasana for him. It means that they demoted him. Achtine means that they, they, they took away his status of kahuna. He's no longer, right? He's no longer getting uh, the first aliyah. As the last Rashi on Chavavam Ralph says, ve'achtine mina kahuna, it's like a probation, okay? <clears throat> they are saying your, your status is, being, is under investigation now, okay? So during that investigation, an aide came and said, He is a qualified, full-blown, wonderful Kohen. So then they took away his probation, and they reinstated him and elevated him back to full Kohen. Then, then two witnesses come again. They discredit him again, in this case, saying his mother was a Grusha or Chalutza. All right, so Bezin has no choice. They have to put him back on probation uh, and demote him. Okay. Then, a second single witness comes. And he again says that he knows he's a coin. Wow. Okay. So we have a lot going on here. You have, let's say, a chazaka that he was a kohen because his father was a kohen. Then you have a rumor that he's not. So you demote him. Then you have a single aide saying that he is. So with a chazaka and a single aide, that should be enough, Andrew. All right. You promote him. Then when you have two aides saying that he's not, you can't ignore them. 
So you have to demote him again. Then you have a second aide come. Okay. So what an, what an effect happens, the second, when the second aide testifies that he is a coin, now you've had kind of a tray or tray, in a sense. You've had two aides saying that he's legit, two aides saying that he's not legit, a chazaka that he was legit, a coin, a little bit of a rumor that he wasn't. So clearly his status is in question. But if you put it all together and you said two aides legit, plus a chazaka that he's legit, it should be enough to grant him kahuna Right, and even overcome the rumor mill that he's not a coin, and even overcome the two adim that say that he's not. Because even in the case of Trey or Trey, if he has a, and even in the case of a rumor, if he has a chazaka that he's a coin, plus two adim that he's a coin, then that should be enough to keep his status. However, that status was interrupted, right? He does have two adim saying that he's a coin, but the two adim were in fact not together. They did not show up together. And so if you could somehow put those two items together, you could probably keep your status. But to separate them as, it, as we do, now that becomes the issue of the Machlokas. So that's what the Gemara is going to describe as follows. Says the Gemara, So ordinarily, the putting together of the two single kosher Adim who said that he was a Kohen, we would have put that testimony together. However, yeah, but here we have another issue that even though typically we would put these two Adim together, the fact that these Adim came one after the other and were interrupted by two Adim that said that he was not a Kohen creates a bad look for the Bezdin. Because how authoritative, how seriously can you take a Bezdin that's yo-yoing like this five times about the status of this Kohen? That makes the Bezdin look bad. And therefore, even though technically we would put the two Adim together, right, it's a, it's a Zilusa, it's, it looks, makes, de- it's a denigration, right? It's a disgraceful for Bezdin to go back and forth. It makes them look wishy-washy like a politician and Bezdin are not like that. And therefore, it is for that reason that we have to knock it off and tell him, listen, it's too much. We can't take another aid about this guy and therefore we have to just stick with whatever psak we gave last. The Tanakama Savar came in the Achtine. Tanakama is going to say, once we already demoted him, we can't elevate him at times. There's like a certain, there's a certain limit where we say enough is enough, and we just have to leave the, the psak as it is. Because they're concerned that it's going to make it look like a kangaroo court, like a clowny, right, disgraceful court. From Shimon Gamliel Savar, Anan Achtine, Vanan Maskinale. Shimon Gamliel said, listen. It's true that we demoted him, but now we have to, now we have to elevate him. After all, we have to stick with the facts. And a Bezdin, it has to worry about the facts. That's their job. And if the facts change, they have to issue the Psaq based on that. Since when is a Bezdin allowed to be self-conscious about how their Psaq is perceived by the populace? The whole point of a Bezdin is MS, right? Is to get to the facts. And if the facts change on the ground, they change their psaq. That's an authentic, earnest Bezdin. You don't want a Bezdin or a Supreme Court that cares about what public opinion is going to be, Barry. You don't want the Supreme Court to be judged, to be um, influenced by, right, the, 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 the public opinion. I think that was Bork. You read Bork's uh, book? Remember he was Supreme Court Justice that Reagan nominated that he got, and, and he got shot down? So, Slouching Towards Gemara, I think is the name of the book. He said he knew that the country was, was in trouble when they, when they started demonstrating in front of the Supreme Court. 
instead of demonstrating in front of, right, the, the, where we're supposed to legislate. In other words, the Supreme Court isn't supposed to make the rules. They're just supposed to give the psaq. So why are you demonstrating? Are you trying to influence the judges what the psaq should be on Roe v. Wade or whatever? I'm not making a political statement. I'm just saying they're supposed to just adjudicate the case. They're not supposed to care about what the populace, populace thinks. Get it? Okay, so that's the machlokas. So maskif lo ravashi, so ihachi afilu tre tre nami. Wait a minute. Ravashi says, wait a minute. If Ravlazo is concerned, right, it doesn't make sense that the machlokas would be whether we're choshish for the zilus of, of the bezdin. Because if Ravlazo is concerned about the zilus of the bezdin, then, then it wouldn't matter whether it was one uh, aid and another aid disrupt, disrupted by two aid in between. This, this tziruf issue would not be an issue, even if it was just a more classic case of tre or tre. Two Adam says he's a coin, two Adam says he's not. Still, there's a yo-yo effect going on, and therefore, you would still be concerned. In other words, we, we made it sound like just because we're doing it a fifth time and we keep switching it back and forth, that's why we have to say at some point, enough is enough and we have to stop. But that's not, but if you're really concerned about changing the psaac, then, you know, even only after a few times, and even if it's tra- two Adam coming each time, it would be a situation that you'd be concerned about Zilusa of Bezdin, and therefore the case would not have to be one where you have this one aid separated by another aid, right? Two aid separate one from the other. And therefore that seems to be not what the case is. Rather, Al-Amar Ravashi, we've been start from the aidus Kamifliki. The fact that the case has to do with an aid and then two aid come and then another single aid coming, it seems like it's really trying to tell us something about the idea of this tziruf of the two aidim, the two single aidim. And therefore, the case would be like this. The machlokas is about this following machlokas tanaim as follows. The tanya. We learn in the Bible as follows. Right. This is actually machlokas. I think Rabbi Rosner says it was on Sanhedrin. Daf Lamed. Yeah. There's the machlokas. We should get there. Bezat Hashem should be great. Sanhedrin was Rav Goldvich Zatzal's Masechus. We learned Gittin that year in KBY, but he would give Shir Klali to the yeshiva on Sanhedrin. Because that was his Masechus, you know what I mean? Anyway, so Sanhedrin discusses this very issue. Is the edus of two single edim coming that are coming sequentially, not together, is that accepted as an edus of one, uh, one and one? Or is that a true edus of two edim? Says the Gemara. The Tanya, ain't edus on The Tanakama holds that no, they both have to be seen as one. They both have to testify about the same event at the same time, together. That the testimony of two sequential single Adim is still considered two Adim. That's a really fundamental question, right? Because we know, we know that you need two Adim to create a testimony. The question is, do they have to be together or not? I think that's a really good question. I'm looking forward to really digging into that on Sanhedrin Daflamin. Be that as it may, the, the sheet of Rib Shirvan Karcha is, they have to testify together. And then Rabbi Nasan Omer, Shomim Dvarv Shel Hayom, right? This was a, a second Machokis uh, in the Brisa. That's the same, as we'll see. Rabbi Nasan Omer, Shomim Dvarv Shel Hayom, Shomim Dvarv. So this is what uh, we point out, that this, right, Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Shimon Gamliel argue that point, and now we see 
right, this Tanakama and Rabbi Nassan arguing, right, the same point, which is, uh, do they have to testify together, um, right, like Rabbi Lazar and the Tanakama say, or do they, can they testify sequentially um, like Rabbi Nassan and Rabbi Shimon say, right? So we see that there's a brisa, or really two brisas, or two machloksin about the same thing. So, but it's really the same topic, guys. So don't be confused, Barry. It's just the same topic brought down twice in a row, almost like two Adim uh, testifying sequentially. And it's discussing the same thing, which is this issue of can this Adis be accepted? So just to summarize, when we're talking about this case of the two sequential Adim uh, interrupted by two Adim before them, that is really the issue that's discussed. Not so much the issue of whether an Eid Echad would be sufficient to determine whether Kohen is a Kohen, because after all, we have two Adim saying that he's not, and two Adim saying that he is. It's just a question of whether the two Adim that's saying that he is a legitimate Kohen, when they're separated out, do we hold like the Tana, the holds, that they could still be considered like two Adim, in which case we would uphold his status as a Kohen, or do we consider them as two, right, sequential single Adim that are not mitzarif, that are not brought together, and therefore we would not uphold his status as a Kohen. Okay. So now at the almost symbolic time of 6.14 a.m., we resume with the Mishnah um, on Chafavim Beis as follows. Mishnah says, Uh-oh, she's captured again. Except for Nechbesha is not the same capture as we had before, right? Before we said she was captured, right, like by bandits, and it was assumed that these Ovedek Chavim were violating her, and it was more like of a, kid, more like of a kidnap situation. This, Nechbesha, is she's in prison. She's in jail. Okay, so Okay, so this is regular prison. So the question is, do, you get, do we have this assumption of, of the fact that she's violated in prison? Let's see. So, if Ayyadeh Mamon, says the Mishnah, Muteris Lebala, aha. If she's just in one of these white-collar, dafyomi, you know, nursing home administrator prisons, then, she, then it's assumed that she's not being violated there, Okay. Because she's just, she's Muteris Labala, because it's a very different environment than if it's Ayyadeh Nefashas. You know, if you're in real hardcore death row, right, and you're imprisoned because of some sort of real, uh, real, real crime of, of like uh, murder, then Asura Labala. That's a, that's a sketchier crew, right? That crowd, you can be assumed that she was violated, and therefore she would be Asura Labala. So this is where we see the difference between. Two kinds of prisons, right? Minimum security, Dafyomi prison, she's Muteris Labala. Max security, death row prison, she's Asura Labala, because those are two different crowds, Andrew. You should know from such things. So I remember Shmuel Bar Yitzchak Amarav, Lo Shanu Ela Shiyad Yisrael Takiva Al Ovde Kachavim. That, yeah, this distinction that the Mishnah makes between the white collar prison and, and, the, and the death row prison, that's only when you have basically like Eretz Israel, Medinat Israel, where you have like the Jews, um, right, in control. However, but if you're talking about a country, right, like if you're talking about Mexico, right, or whatever, so there, all the prisons kind of look the same. You know, that crowd is ge- the gen pop, you know, prisons, uh, whether you're in there for shoplifting or killing somebody or tax evasion, you're going to get the same violation treatment 
by the crew there. It's all mixed together in those kinds of prisons. Okay, so therefore, that's what it means. Right? If she's in, if she's in one of those prisons, she got stuck in prison in um, in one of those uh, scenarios where the Ovda Kachavim are ruling it. Then it wouldn't matter what the right what the accusation was that stuck her in prison was. She was she's assumed to be violated. Fine. So now Rava has a question. Masiv Rava. Okay, Hakatsav usually means that he's son of a butcher. Okay, so anyways, Hurhana, what does Hurhana mean? She was, uh, that's what it means when you're, uh, when you have like a uh, initiation for Ovede Kachavim. It says over here that she was pledged Right, there was a loan that wasn't paid, and this you'll see already tomorrow's daf, and there was nothing that you get you could give as security for the debt. Right, there was a loan shark who's coming back for security, and a Jewish girl, Rahman Alatslan, was given as security. Said, I don't have the money, but I'll get you the money. I'll get you the money, Tony. But until I give you the money, here, take this woman. Just a crazy situation. So you're giving the woman to the loan shark as collateral, Andrew. This is a crazy situation. Anyway, she was a Kah- she to add insult to injury. She was a, from a family of Kohanim. So what do they do? Yeah, <laughs> even when she comes back, right? The, all her family who is Kohanim, they're not really looking to marry her off to Kohanim. They're going to marry her off to Israel because who knows what happened in the loan shark in the, in those in that period of, in her life. The Chachamim, but the Chachamim reprimanded the family that, that, that uh, behaved this way. They said, Remember, this idea was the following. There was Adim that testified that she, what happened here? Okay, so like this. I'm sorry, I, I, I skipped the line. That's why it doesn't make any sense. And then what happened? Sorry. Adam then come and they testify, yes, she was brought as, given as collateral to the loan shark. However, she was not, right? She was never secluded during that time. She was always out in the open and we know that she wasn't violated. There was never a situation where the loan shark had his, his goons with her alone, unsupervised. And therefore, Adam are testifying that she is holy and therefore, still, the family wanted to distance from her. So now they're saying like this. Okay, you have Adas that she was given as collateral to the loan shark. And you have also Adas that she was not violated. Oh, so now you can't split the baby. You either believe the Adim or you don't. You can't be machmer on this girl and not marry her. If you believe that she was given as collateral, then those same Adim, those self-same Adim are the ones that are telling you that she's tar. And therefore it creates... What in effect David is a pesha asar pesha hitir. They volunteered the information, bring it all full circle for you, David. They volunteered the information that she was given to the loan shark, but in same breath they also volunteered the information that she was tahar. And therefore, if you believe one thing, you have to believe the other. Let's read it inside. If you believe these Adam's testimony that she was given as collateral, you should believe that she was tahar. And not violated. And you can't say, oh, 
Well, I believe that she was taking his collateral because we didn't see her around for like three months. But I don't, I don't believe these guys. It can't be that she was hanging out with that sketchy crew and she wasn't violated. Well, if you don't believe that she wasn't violated, you can't split this. If you don't believe she was violated, then you are not allowed to be macabre, so to speak, right? And believe that she was, in fact, taken as collateral, okay? However, Rava is now going to ask Akasha. Says Rabba, <laughs> Where did this all take place? Ashkelon. And Ashkelon at the time was like Mexico in those days. It was filled with Ovdin Kachavim and they were in charge. So we just said in our Mishnah that if you get, end up in any sort of captivity there, you have to assume that that's a sketchy crew and you're violated. Well here, how did the Kachavim allow us to assume that she wasn't violated without the Edus? That's the Kasha of Rava. Brilliant. Viketani, right? And we say, Andrew, I'm sorry, I'm going a little over in Chavzai and Abadalaf. I hope you'll forgive me. Viketani hurhana in Nichbashalo, right? And we said that if she, in fact, was, was taken as collateral and, so to speak, pledged, then she needs Edim to make her um, kasher. But if she was against her will, Nichbasha, then she does not require witnesses. That makes it seem, right, that even in Ashkelon, where the Gayim were in charge, the woman, right, is assumed to not have been violated. So how are we going to reconcile that with the, with the statement of Shmuel by Yitzchak? So the Gemara says, well, who had Well, it would even be true if she was in prison. It happens to be that that's, that wasn't the case. But you can't infer from the fact that the Mishnah doesn't discuss a case, right, of, a, of an imprisoned woman to assume that that was the scenario over there in Ashkelon. So tomorrow, Bezat Hashem, we'll start with the Ika de Amri, the second line, Chavzayin Abad Aleph, to sort out what exactly happened in Ashkelon and how we reconcile this with the concern of Rava on the Mishnah.